Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. I am Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. We are joined by Pete Sampson of The Athletic. It's Monday, December 19th, and Christmas is just around the corner, and the bowl game is a little bit further around the corner. But Christmas, uh, from a recruiting standpoint, arrives on on Wednesday, and I'm not sure that everybody's going to look at it that way. Notre Dame is going to sign a very good class, a class filled with four-star players more than any in the history of Notre Dame since we started putting stars on players. But we do not expect uh, two players that are currently on that list to sign with Notre Dame, Peyton Bowen, the safety, and Jaden Lamar, the running back. Uh, Pete, unless you know something different from what I'm saying here, we don't expect those guys to end up in Notre Dame's class. No, and it's like those are two completely different stories um just so we're clear i think sometimes when there are a couple decommitments at the same time we link them together as like a trend this um peyton bowen is somebody they absolutely needed to keep in the class that i don't think they're going to be able to jane lamar is not um so if they lose bowen to oklahoma that will really hurt um if they lose lamar to oregon uh, i don't think that will have a huge impact on kind of where notre dame is as a program because they've recruited the running back position really well like they've over recruited the running back position <laughs> yep. so it um you know it seems like they will probably finish with 26 verbal commitments um i'm sorry 24 verbal commitments 24, yep. um it will be a top 10 class but not a top five class i think that to me um if you're going to pick out like a, a narrative theme it would be it would actually be the success of Marcus Freeman recruiting into pretty extreme headwinds um, in the recruiting landscape more than it would be uh, the guys that they lost. Um, It's a very good class that you probably are going to be like, Oh, that could have been, that could have been a great, great class. Um, (laughs) But instead it will just be very good. And the rain will have to roll with it. And the way to roll with it is to make it a great class uh, down the road when transfer portal things become available because the, the whole key now is finding a transfer. That's as good as your top couple players coming in. I think that's where college football has already gone and Notre Dame is going to have to go. They've done a, they've done a solid job in the portal, bringing in important players like McLeod and Skoranek and all those guys. And I have a Gilman. I have a story on this and Monday musings, but the way to augment losing Keely Bowen and then to a lesser extent more, because that seems like it was ages ago, even though what it was in July or August, it seemed, he seems to have been gone for a couple cycles now, but yeah, now he's gone from Oregon as well. Yes, exactly. He's, he just keeps going places as we you mitigate record. that. Of course, the CJ car, but if, if it's not CJ car, then a quarterback better than CJ car that is older than CJ car. So yeah, we will see I, what goes I, from there. Yeah. Jaden Lamar. Once you saw that writing on the hall, I was like, all right, that's fine. Move on from. There's yeah. a lot of running backs are short timers. Anyway, if you lose out on Dylan Edwards, as Pete, as Tim Priester says, you can lament it. If you're going to lose a short timer at running back, it's fine. Yeah. Jaden Lamar and and people that know this podcast know that I'm not blowing smoke here. I, I didn't, I didn't think Jaden Lamar was very good. I didn't want him to be in the class anyway, because I didn't think they was going to be there very long. And, you know, I thought I saw a little bit of an up, uptick his senior year, but studying again this week, I, I don't think that's a big deal. Peyton Bone. Peyton Bowman's a big you feel deal. differently about There's that. A, yeah. yeah. And, and frankly, with Dante Moore now going to UCLA, I give me Kenny Minchie, who I know he de- decommitted, but I mean, he clearly wants to be at Notre Dame. And I'm not sure that, that, uh, that Dante Moore knows exactly where he wants to be. Well, I, I take that. I'm sure UCLA offered him more. And so that's where he is. That happens. It, that's, it does that's okay. happen. It, it does. It, that's the new part of life, man. Yeah, no, it does. It does happen. And so he's where he wants to be. I can only, can you only, I can only imagine what um, coaching him for however long he's at UCLA is going, going to be like. Um, and you mentioned, you know, the portal things are looking good with Caleb Smith, the senior C- Caleb Smith, the older from Virginia tech as a wide receiver. Not yeah. that that compensates for Bowen or Lamar, but um, things are looking good. Notre Dame to land him as their first non-kicking uh transfer to be brought in uh this year. The the two kickers, um, or specialists, I should say, the kicker Spencer Schrader from South Florida, who I like a lot. Um, I, I think he let me just say I think he's an upgrade from Blake Groupie. 
how significant, I don't know, but I think he's a bit of an upgrade. And then news of a preferred walk on Ben Krim from Penn. I think he's going to have, he's going to, he's going to have a battle with McPherson to get a, uh, the starting job at punter. And a healthy yeah, McPherson, a, healthy McPherson's the starter, but bet you want yeah, to bring in some hope so. compete with sure. the guy that was. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Year. And he averaged, you know, 41, 41 plus. I haven't really, I haven't even actually really looked at him yet. I don't know if you guys have yet or not, but uh, I know somebody that O'Malley you have looked at. John Sott. They are going to miss John Sott. Yes, they will. Yeah, they will. But I know that you, uh, uh, you have some opinions about the 2024 running back Aeneas Williams. I do. He was my favorite player at the Irish invasion. Um, I was there with Pete, Jamie, Driscoll, a few other people free met Freeman. And we're watching everybody obviously watched a lot of CJ Carr. Um, CJ Carr compared to his competitors was the most impressive player at Irish invasion compared to the other quarterbacks. I just thought that it a good group of running backs and pass catchers. And Williams stood out the most for me. Uh, then I saw him on film and liked him even more. He's an angry, young, violent man. And that's a good thing to have as a football player. He's I really like, I just, I wish he was in the 23 class. Just bring him in. This is, it's the, really, hey, I mean, someone's you supposed to uh, reclassify. Let that kid reclassify. Yeah. You don't want to, I mean, he's, he's, he reminds you of Kyron Williams. He does. I, I know he, how he, you, I don't know how you cannot, I, it, it's certainly in terms of approach and determination and running hard. And then, you know, the, the ability to be evasive. I, I really think that when he gets in the open field, his running style looks like Will Shipley. He's not as fast as, I don't believe he's as fast as Will Shipley. Yeah, but Shipley I think when you really see him, when he gets, yeah, he can, yeah, he's, he's really fast. I don't think, Aeneas Williams is that fast, but when you add up all the other factors that we're talking about, making a comparison to Kyron Williams, I really love his approach to the game. Pete, what do you, what do you think about 2024 running back Aeneas Williams? I, yeah, I liked him at Irish invasion. Um, I think I probably like Cam Williams a little bit like more, too. Yep. Yep. Um, but you know, it's, I think it's notable, like the guys that they, they really are hitting at a high rate on Irish invasion visitors, which like they typically have done pre Marcus Freeman, but like, um, you know, guys that are a little bit more naturally wired to be Notre Dame fits. So yeah, I, I think he's, he's, he's just, he, how do I put this? He's just another really good back that Notre Dame has signed. And that, that is not like damning with faint praise at all. Cause I think Jadarian price has a chance to be right. a stud. I Jeremiah love <laughs> is maybe my favorite guy in this recruiting class. And obviously Logan, Logan Diggs, Otter Kestame had very good seasons. So what they've done with the running back room um, under Dylan McCullough and Lance Taylor before them, I, I think has been good enough. Like they, they have college football playoff caliber running backs right now. Um, overstretched over four years and that's that's impressive because that's yeah. that's not as easy as it sounds now you can say it O'Malley. they all they won't all be there <laughs> no they won't so all be there but that's okay real quickly no, yeah. it's all right that's <laughs> the way it works these days man don't get I, too attached to him i'm telling you yeah before i forget and i don't want to wait till the end i want to let everybody know that we will be back for a podcast on thursday december 22nd we will have Kevin Sinclair of Irish Illustrated and Tom Loy of 24-7 Sports, and we will wrap up Notre Dame signing day from the previous day on Wednesday. So I uh, just want to give everybody a heads up on that. And I do want to th- hammer home the point, although I'm being sometimes sarcastic when I say don't get too attached, it's a good thing that Notre Dame might lose out on some of their really good six, as Samson said, playoff caliber backs to transfer someday. Because the last time that happened were guys like Dorsey Levins were transferring out. Yeah, you want sure. that. You want yeah. well, I mean, someone to not be able to play. Holtz, Lamar absolutely situation. had those yes. problems. What were like Lamar in this class was the when Dylan Edwards was still committed. Lamar was what probably seventh, eighth, right? Yeah, I mean, right. there's just no path to playing time there, um, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with not having path to playing time for every player that signs with Notre Dame, right? These are, these are better these when they're are, all good these ones. Are classic good problems to have because O'Malley's point: they're not all going to be here. That's fine. Follow a point. The best ones will still be here. The guys that leave aren't the ones <laughs> who are playing. Right. And that, yeah, that, that is a rare, it is, is a the rare most thing important the guy thing. that leaves. It's that much better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, following up on speaking of Kevin Sinclair, following up on a story that he did here recently, 
um, you know, and, and again, I, I, we totally understand that you're, you're bemoaning the five-star losses. I mean, you'd love to have those guys in the class, but it's still a real quality class for Notre Dame. In fact, there's a higher percentage of four-star signings in this class than Notre Dame has ever had. I think what stings, Tim, for people that want to look at this, and, and I agree, is your five-star <laughs> losses are positions of incredible need over the years at Notre Dame, and also two of the positions pretty much define who plays in the playoffs, a top-tier defensive lineman and a top-tier quarterback. So that's why when you lose those five-star guys, you didn't lose. Notre Dame loses a five-star tight end and brings in four-star Michael Mayer. <laughs> Notre Dame loses a five-star yeah. tight end and bring, or offensive lineman and brings in Joe Alt. It's okay. It's tougher when you lose the quarterback at the defensive end, and then safety has been something where Notre Dame has recently had some good safeties. They didn't really recruit them to be good safeties, but they've found a way to have good safeties on the team of late. And Bowen was going to be one they recruited to be a good safety. Yeah. It's, it's a need. The issue is need-based really. Um, you know, Bo Bowen and Keeley both could have started. I'm not saying they would have, they could have started. They would have played and to be down to one five-star prospect overall on the roster next year, that being Jalen Snead, is just like, when you compare one to 15 at, you know, Georgia and Alabama, that's the gap that Nurem is trying to close. It's, you know, it's just, that's a tough reality that Nurem's living with. They, and I think that I'd be curious what you guys think about this. I wrote about this last week. Like, not that the five-star hunt has like come and gone um, for Notre Dame in the NIL portal era, but I do think it makes the, the, the portal almost more likely you're going to find a college ready senior defensive end to replace Keon Keeley opposed to a three-star guy that you're going to develop over the course of four right. years like that. That has to be, so probably be the, uh, the pivot for Notre Dame. Yeah. With, with Foskey walking out and the potential of Keeley walking right. in, you felt, you felt like, okay, well that's, that's yeah. a hell of a way to compensate for that. But I will say, you know, and, and Peyton Bowen would have been the number one guy in my class. If I look, I, I just want to say, I don't think Notre Dame has 100% closed the door on that right. situation, but we don't expect it to go Notre Dame's way. But um, I will say this as well. I think I, I don't have, I don't know how good of a football player Brandon Hillman can become on the next level, but that's a four and a half star athlete that you could put back at safety and maybe get, you know, somewhat comparable play to what you were expecting from Bowen, but that's a long way down the road. I think he's got a lot to learn about playing that position. He's been a guy to see ball, hit ball, or, you know, see spot run to it kind of football yep. player. We'll see if he develops into that. Um, uh, well, let's see I did want to make the point. I don't know if I said it to you guys before we start recording, but what I like about Spencer Schrader, the kicker is that, I, that it's a lot of end over end straight kicks. You don't see a lot of slice or a lot of hook. He does he does take an extreme kind of an extreme angle to the football, but it's pretty much end over end and straight. And so that, you know, I, th I think I think some of the guys that can really drive it have a little bit more hook or slice. Uh, this guy's end over end. I think he's got a chance to be pretty good. Hey, we did interviews here the last couple of days over the weekend. Talked to a cross-section of offensive and defensive players. We caught a gem at the end of Howard Cross's interview when he was asked to comment about offense alignment, but first he commented about Donovan Heinish and thinks he's going to be uh, a good football player in the mold of his brother, Kurt. But boy, did he gush about Billy Schroth. And the media ate it up because we knew how much the subscribers and people on Twitter were going to love it. There was, uh, <laughs> yeah, we all liked Billy Shroff coming in. Uh, he lost a year, which is fine because he gets a red shirt. He lost a year of development up there or early year of development. But we saw him in August. He did not look like the Billy Shroff we thought we would see pre-injury. And I think he has reached that point now after going through the season. He was getting pushed around a bit in August, remember? But he was, remember, he had a broken... He came in on foot surgery. He's going against Notre Dame's linemen. It's not an easy yeah, task. Yeah, and at the, at the time, Harry Heastan said he was a little bit overwhelmed with learning everything, too, yeah. and so that can make you a little bit hesitant. But oh boy, oh boy. there's no Howard doubt Cross. in Howard Cross's mind that Billy Schroth is going to be a hell of a football player, and based upon the way he said it, I, probably as soon as next year we're going to see him. 
there will be two open guard positions uh, in spring practice. And Billy Strauss, I think if we had to pick, we would think he would probably win one of them, right? Like, yes, that's, yes. He's in position to do that. And then, look, they need it. I mean, that's this is like when you sign higher end guys, um, you want them to contribute early because they're they're higher end guys. Um, this is what, you know, even offensive linemen under Harry Heastan, if you're an elite player, you're on the field as a sophomore. So it, um, it'll be kind of fun to watch him in spring practice, I think. We, uh, Tim, you said you thought Coogan would, would challenge Chris. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say a couple weeks ago when we were asked this, I said Schroth at left guard and Coogan at right guard. We'll, we'll see about that. But I do know, I know they like Coogan. Now, if Christoffit comes back and wins a job, which he's, I mean, he's coming back. He plans he's to come coming, back. Yeah, he's and scheduled back. To be. So, yeah. so I, does that keep Christoffit the left side and put Schroth on the right side? I don't know. I don't know that it necessarily matters per se. Uh, but I think Coogan will give Christophic a run. I don't think Spindler's going to win sure. the job, at least as we sit here right now. I don't think that there's been any indication that he's going to overtake any of the guys that we've just mentioned. No, but that's so, a good conversation for mid-spring, too, just because he's not. Right, right. And I, that's why I want to say, as of right now, yeah, as, as of right now, I don't see that. And if he... Um, you know, we'll see if he can make a run at it in the spring. Uh, let's wrap up. I know we could we could go on and on about our interviews, but we'll touch upon some of those with the questions in the second segment. But we want to end on a low note, and that was the basketball game yesterday for, for the men's team uh, in Atlanta against Georgia, a game that they really needed. And once again, although they competed early, they did not answer the bell defensively, and it was more of the same of the paint issues defensively that we saw against Marquette the previous Sunday. In football parlance, they are playing with an exceptionally slow middle linebacker and 220-pound nose tackle in a 3-4. And the other linebacker and, runs the and the other linebacker runs the wrong way inside. So there's a problem. Know, right and now. I know everybody's down on Mike Bray, and you know, rightfully so. They're playing horribly, but he finally kind of took a shot at his players yesterday for their effort. And I saw somebody say, Oh, great, Mike Bray, now you're he never blames the players, uh, you know, and the, certainly a lot of the blame goes on him, the head coach, but they don't look motivated to do anything right now. I mean, the, all the preseason blame goes on him for not bringing in somebody. Right. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I mean, you want to talk about, it's one thing to play, a, you know, have a, sh uh, a short lineup. I mean, play a few guys, but the the mismanagement of the roster is just so egregious that you can't if you're bad defensively it, you've you've helped create it i did not watch a second of the game yesterday however if you would like to discuss france argentina i'd be happy to spend the next five minutes on that well that was you oh my god that, that was a oh god that was that, a how much of that did you miss for the interviews uh, i missed the entire penalty shootout which i was pretty upset about that's a tough one. That was you could have come inside and watched it. We watched it with the football team. That was <sighs> all right. You got anything, you, you, Tim? Anything else you want to add on basketball? We'll go no, to just bad, two. bad defense analogies is all I really have left. And so I'm going to, I'll save those for later. There's right, no sounds good. Segment two. Yeah. I have no problem when coaches like explain that players need to try harder and maybe they should be benched and stuff. The problem is he doesn't put anybody in off the bench. So they have no, they have no fear right. of coming out right. of the game. And number two, you had nine months. You had two years really to know what you had at center and you just had to bring in somebody. Instead, they yeah, brought in and, another guard who doesn't play defense. They brought in well, a guard who doesn't play plays defense. Le and plays less than Trey Wirtz, which, which I who don't. Who doesn't play defense? Who also doesn't play defense. Yeah. Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. This is Mike Brown, former Notre Dame leprechaun, here to share the leprechaun's game day at Notre Dame an officially licensed children's book that celebrates the magic of a football Saturday at Notre Dame. Follow me on an adventure from Step Off Under the Golden Dome to ND Stadium with this perfect gift for fighting Irish fans. Visit www.lepgameday.com and enter Irish to get your author signed copy today. Go Irish! Segment two, burning up the boards. Our first question is actually a two-parter. The first from Frank1957. Will running back Christian Beal Smith with a foot and wide receiver Josh Van with a knee injury play for South Carolina in the Gator Bowl and also from Kay Beasley? A lot is known here about opt-outs and transfers, but how sizable are the opt-outs for South Carolina and how will this impact their lineup? I don't think Christian Beal Smith. Well, I 
I think he's got a better chance of playing the wide receiver, Josh Van, but I, I don't think either one's going is going to play. Christian Beal Smith was at uh was he at Wake Forest? I think he was he came from Wake Forest. I, the their opt-outs are significant, man. No, I mean, are. I they know that Notre Dame like the look of the offense. It's a, yeah, it's a I mean, I know that Notre Dame lost two great players, one on each side of the ball, but but South Carolina's missing players are it, it it goes way deeper. Okay, defensive line, Zach Pickens, starting defensive tackle, two guys in the secondary, Darius Rush and Cam Smith, both of which are really good players. I love what Jaheim Bell, they list him as a tight end, but he was really a running back slash tight end he's gone Gilbert Edmonds a defensive end doesn't yeah maybe he starts I see his list as a starter but um he plays a lot their top running back Marshawn Lloyd is not going to be there Austin Stogner their backup tight end they've lost they've lost a lot Nordane lost two great players in Foskey and Mayer for the bowl game but theirs is really significant it's yeah it <laughs> I'm very interested to sort of see what kind of defense they have left because in theory, Notre Dame, it's kind of getting into the second question here, but like in theory, Notre Dame should be able to really run the ball with some conviction um, against South Carolina based on the matchups. Yeah. And I saw some people upset that when I was mentioning, they're going to run it, run it, run it because it didn't work against USC. And that was, but the run it, run it, run it against USC was the feeling of if Notre Dame is going to be able to win this game and pass, they're going to have to be able to run the ball. And we did mention right prior to the game, it's not the same situation as Syracuse USC because they have some athletes, including an All-American, that can get up there right. and mix it up once in a while. Now, should have Notre Dame been able to run the ball better on USC? Absolutely. Utah did it. Notre Dame should have been able to do it. I still think it's the key to success in the Gator Bowl because – Say what you want about Drew Pine. I'm guessing after three months, he's a little bit sharper passer going to that USC game than Tyler Buckner will be in the Gator Bowl. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Pete did allude to the next question, which is from Plaque ITFDB. The Gator Bowl will be another matchup where Notre Dame has the dominant offensive line. The opposing defensive line is bad statistically. Will Harry Heastan, Tommy Reese be prepared for slant stunts to avoid another losing outcome to an inferior run defense like Stanford and USC and your point, Tim, that USC could, you know, could compensate with, with yes. some really good athletes. Um, Stanford never should have held Notre Dame to 1.53 yards per first down in the first half. That is awful. No, did you guys, I don't know what happened. Did you guys, I'm sure you didn't hear it because I was with Howard cross, but did you read his comment regarding what happened to them against USC? And and USC's offensive line. Oh, where they were just like, well, we don't know what he's doing either. Um, no, yeah. no, 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 not, oh, no, no. It comments? wasn't that. Yeah, no. He's. I mean, he basically said that USC's offensive coordinator outcoached. Oh, them. Uh, yeah. No, I did. Yeah, that that part was interesting. That was actually more interesting. Um, yes. But it, 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 it just like we asked. I remember talking to Ben Morrison about this over the weekend because, like, look, Rattler and Caleb Williams were in the same offense under the same head coach. Um, you know, if there are similarities between them, and he's like, "Yeah, I mean, they're both both have some escapability, but I, I, I guess I would almost I would disagree with Howard Cross in the sense of like, I guess USC did get them on some misdirection trick plays where they used sort of speed to work against Notre Dame." But also, it's like Lincoln Riley is not drawing up plays for Caleb Williams where he runs 30 yards backwards and then throws off the now, right foot. Too, I think know? he was talking about, you know, running back rushing for 150 yards against him. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, addri because he addressed – he was actually really, really good addressing Caleb Williams, where, as you start to allude to, Pete, where the offensive linemen are saying, yeah, we don't know how to hell a block for him either because he's <laughs> running backwards and – they just keep trying to work their way up the field, and eventually he catches up to him and runs by him and gains thirty. <laughs> yeah, I so, hate reliving that. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's that not a fun. That was not a fun thing to watch. It all from, started. It all started when Tariq Bracey was holding, not even holding his helmet on the sideline. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that wasn't. That's not good. That wasn't good. Question from Irish CFB seven forty seven. Of the names we've heard tossed around for quarterback transfers, do you have any updates? Uh, we do. Pete, do you? I mean, just that it's going to go after the Bulls. Um, 
that's sort of where things are with stuff. Um, I don't think that the two guys that Notre Dame really likes are in the transfer portal yet. I've heard not Hudson card. That's basically it. Oh, and long weeks ago, we heard not Devin Leary. So that would be the, another yeah, in case, in case not I, everybody's been listening to that. Um, I don't, from what I'm told, the Hudson card is not out of that. I I'm not sure Michael Pratt, you know, Michael Pratt's playing till he's in a January two bowl. Uh, you know, I know a lot, I, I got a little excited when I saw Grayson McCall from coastal Carolina. Have you seen him play? I mean, yeah, I like I have, everything. I've watched their offense a little bit. I mean, it is very unique. Um, very unique. Um, so I'm, I would assume that he'd be at Auburn or, uh, yeah, it's got Yeah. That's why I just want to bring it up. I think he's going to go to Auburn. Um, and when I first heard Sam Hartman, I'm like, yeah, right. But I, <laughs> but I, but I would not, I think that's a possibility. I think that is a possibility for Notre Dame. Would you be, what would you think I, about that? You just have to adjust a little bit to a new, you have to adjust to him, adjust to Hartman. If he's not totally adjusting to your offense, the long, well, mesh point, I don't know. The, the long mesh, everything you can adjust to Sam Hartman. He's good. Well, I don't know why, like, why can't he make that adjustment? I'm sure he ran read option. Yeah. He can make you the know, adjustment conventional too, you, you, read option before uh, the slow mesh. You got to help guys. You got to help them out a little. Well, I right? know, but I, you know, I, I, I don't know why you can't He If you can run the slow mesh, you can run the conventional read option. Here's my opinion on Sam Hart. He's thrown 107 career touchdowns. <laughs> Sam Hartman. 12,687 yes. yards. Right. Also I run for I, 17 touchdowns. I, I mean, think the first opinion I saw on our message board was like, nah, I'll pass on him. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to pass on him. I'm not going to no. pass on Sam Hartman. No, Notre Dame wouldn't pass Notre Dame's on not him going either. to pass on Sam Hartman. I guess if you a- want to pass on him, it's because you want Drake May. I mean, that's but that's not going to keep happening in college football. The Caleb Williams thing was unique. It's it's not going to continually happen like that. Yeah, no, that's I like I think yeah, people need to come to terms with like the the quarterback everyone but USC is getting out of the transfer portal is a good college player, not a Heisman Trophy winner. That's like that's Lincoln Riley's domain only. He's done it yeah, multiple times. He went to times. go join his coach. He went to go join yeah. his coach too. And had he had he go gone to join regular US, let's say Caleb Williams just wanted to go join regular USC and Lincoln Riley had gone pro. I don't think Caleb Williams would own the Heisman. Well, it's certainly uh, the, no. the relationship certainly certainly played a well, role. If their coach I, was if their coach was Clay Helton, was Caleb Williams going to win the Heisman? They weren't going to uh, win eight games. They weren't going to win eight games if Clay Helton right. was the so head coach. The, so, that's a oh, unique that's your, okay. That's your point. Look, all I know, Sam Hartman. I I have great admiration for the competitor that he is, and to Pete's point, the productivity that he has already put out there. If you can get Sam Hartman to be Notre Dame's quarterback next year, things are looking up. I would say for for twenty twenty three. Question from Irish Gambler: What are the chances the staff? is unable to find a transfer quarterback who fits the desired qualifications. I like this. Uh, Aiken, uh, this is akin to Pete in July, or maybe it was May saying, it's not time to worry about Dante Moore, but once we hit July, it's time to worry about Dante Moore. It's not time to worry about Notre Dame getting their quarterback now, but if we're having this conversation on January 19th, as opposed to January 8th, then Ooh, we were having, I, yeah, I'd move it up from January 19th, but um, January 4th. No, that, that is the problem. January 19th would be a problem. Yeah, that would be a problem time then. Um, January 5th, we should be talking about what we've heard and what's probably about to happen. Well, what was Jack Cohn was announced that first week of January? What was the yeah, date on got that? It. That's 5th, what I'm saying. It's nowadays. It's got to happen. Third or something like that. Yeah. I think it was like right after the national championship game. So, I mean, that may have been even a little bit later than that. Yeah. I, I if, mean, I haven't. The national championship game is on a Monday. It's got to be that week. Yeah, that's like the ninth. Is that what it is? I think it is. Yes. It's January. Ninth uh, is a Monday. Yeah, that's when the national championship game is. You know, I, I I I haven't scoured the portal to see every quarterback in there. Um, I would think that they would find somebody, but like, what if they don't get? any of the top three candidates is it a re is it a complete total reboot because i think it might be you don't have might cast have a to, massive yeah. net if you're notre dame at quarterback right i wouldn't yeah you're i don't think you're looking at i mean maybe you maybe you have 
six or seven names in mind, but you can't pursue all of them at once. Yeah. What's your pitch? <laughs> There's there. I, I don't, I, I'm not sure how that would work, but um, anyway, that's the latest. What's that your we pitch have. to Buckner. If you bring in a guy that's thrown for 12,000 yards, he's here for one year. Hang in there, kid. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that exactly. Yeah. Question Speaking from, which, uh, yeah, go ahead. Mac three, four, one, any updates from practice on Tyler Buckner? Pete, go ahead. You go first. Uh, I have not heard anything super behind the scenes other than what Reese told us on the record about a week and a half ago. Um, so yeah, I don't, I think you probably sounds like you have some more, uh, well, no, gritty insight than I do. No, no, not, no. I I'm just saying, you know, feedback here and there, when you hear it coming from Notre Dame people, it's, Oh, he looks great. I I'm not sure that that's exactly true. I, I'm not sure that's exactly true. We're going to find out on December 30th. We we're not going to have access to practices. We yep. can listen to people telling this and that it's still, it's, what Tyler Buckner is now he's more accurate than he was when he was playing against Marshall. Let's be real. Right. And he was actually, um, he was pretty forthright about it. I asked him, he had a kind of an awkward interview and up and down, I should say an up and down interview on uh Sunday. But the one th- the thing he was really upright or forthright about was he said, um, yeah, I was, I, there was rust. I've had, I've had some rust, but I think that's why coach Reese said I was, had my best practice is I was, I kind of shook the rust off and I'm starting to get to be the quarterback I can be. I think and that's good. It's supposed to, you would expect there'd be some rust, right? Yeah. Especially, I think, I think my thing with Buckner, injury. I want to see him play behind this offensive line as True, it's yeah. currently playing. I mean, I, I want to see him play with these receivers as they're currently playing. I mayor is a huge, huge loss, obviously, but man, I, this is, it's, it's why this game is so interesting to me because it like is. you're going to get to see if Buckner is healthy, you're going to get to see a more, um, I guess, accurate reading of what he's about than I think we saw against certainly against Ohio State due to game plan issues and the offensive line or against Marshall when he, just, he didn't play well and the offensive line played really poorly as well. So it's uh, there's a lot to be learned about Tyler Buckner on December 30th if he can go. Question I'm from- wondering if. I'm wondering if you guys agree that they will throw not, not like Ohio state, but it will be an exceptionally there's 18 passes thrown in that game. It looks like, uh, will it be an exceptionally run heavy attack? So for instance, I mean, pine against Syracuse and Clemson threw 19 and 17 times. Maybe he threw 21, but that's misleading. Cause I couldn't keep the ball. USC. He threw 26 times. So you think what's Tyler Buckner going to throw 20 passes. Is that a good number? Depends how That's, well yeah, they run the fun. football. You know, yeah, I mean, we I can mean, tell, like, we, we can go, like, in Navy, oh, they're going to run the hell out of it. Actually, I think I said they're – Well, I, I mean, if they don't run the football well, he won't have as many possessions, so he's not going to throw anything well, out of it. Well, right, right. Either they just way. just don't get the ball. Yeah, either way. Um, yeah, the, the better they run it, in some respects, the more he throws it then because – Or at least deeper, it, right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll find out about Tyler Butner and – I'm not going to put a whole lot of credence in anything that I hear about what's happening on a practice field. Let's see what he does in game situation. Question from G a J zero zero two six without giving names. Do you know how many players are entering the portal after the bowl game? I don't know exactly how many I would say at least good indication, at least half a dozen. Right. Right. Like in other words, after the bowl semester's over. They go to the bowl, enjoy the time with their teammates, and enter the portal. I think that's about right. And like the the players that I think will be entering the portal are much more like Kane Barong, who entered the portal this week. Like deep reserves, hard to see a real path to playing exactly. time. You know, guys, if you number Notre Dame's roster one through eighty five, probably guys from fifty to eighty five, like guys more in that sort of realm for Notre Dame. And then yeah, I think you, when are... you get the 50, people will probably be a little annoyed. There's probably one in there, right, Tim? One or two, you're like, yeah, ah, come on. I'm like sure they'll, like, thing, but... I don't know who will be, but every year, like, teams lose somebody they didn't want to lose. Uh, maybe Notre Dame already did because it was the starting quarterback, but, like, that that will happen. Um, but I think over overwhelmingly it will be guys who are kind of off the too deep and have a hard time seeing how they can get on it. 
think about it. Guys that are entering their junior season that haven't been able to get on the field. Yeah, if you know, without yeah, that's an always that's an always thing is what you're saying. That's an right. Always. Well, yeah, and I as I'm looking at names, without naming names, if you look at the names, you'll know who they are. Right. Yeah. All right. Question. I think my number of 15 has scared some people, but I believe that will be as spring ends and summer ends as well. So we'll be at Notre Dame will be at 10, I think, after the next portal push sometime in early January before showing up for winter conditioning. I think they'll be at about 10 or 11. Seems like a that number is a good target number right now. Question from Annie Davis, too. At the end of the day, isn't losing recruits to NIL at the last minute just proof of failure in evaluations? Notre Dame is still going to sign a class heaping with blue-chip prospects who are lured by NIL at competing programs, uh, by competing programs, but instead bought into what Notre Dame was selling. Is, is there really a need to blame the administration and demand a fundamental change for a prospect who is motivated first by personal gain? Hmm. I mean, there's I a lot get, there. I, I, there I get is the question. Go ahead, Pete. I get the question. I have a... no. I mean, there's a lot there. Um, I do think that Notre Dame will have to continue to ramp up its eval of prospects to understand who is going to have NIL as their first priority and who might have it as their sixth or seventh priority. Um, but it's going to be on the list for everybody. Yeah, that's fine. Notre Dame needs to be able to say, hey, if you come here. Essentially, we have NIL as a universal income for scholarship players, sort of where they are right now. That's fine. Um, I don't begrudge anyone for going after six or seven figure NIL payments. If you're a high school prospect, like I think that you would be silly not to consider that. Um, so look, I I not sure how you would describe Notre Dame's stance on NIL. Um I would I would say it's like Reluctant might be too harsh a term, but I wouldn't say they're like all in on it either. Um, well, they don't want to like, pay an acquisition fee is is what it comes down to. Right. I mean, I don't I don't know like how much of an embrace they've had for even like the collectives for funding guys that are already here either. I, I feel like they realize they have to embrace it, but you don't have to publicize it that much. Like we know players had some yeah. player had a autograph session. They never said a word about it. Right. You made money to go sign autographs. That's fine. Yep. He signed autographs. But well, that's NIL. This way. That, that's NIL. The the y- yes, but that's that's what I mean. That's NIL. They're not publicized. They didn't publicize it though. They didn't publicize that happened. No. But in terms yeah, of the I guess upfront like, money. No, I just I was to say like Gene Smith at Ohio State has come out multiple times and said, Hey, we need people to donate to the NIL collectives around Ohio State. Like you don't hear that from Jack Swarbrick, and that's fine. I'm just saying it's a different, it's a different position. Yeah. I think Tim, I want I want to ask you this. All right, you are a prospect for Notre Dame baseball. You believe in what Notre Dame believes in is selling to you and everything. You want to go to Notre Dame. You get accepted. They say, all right, well, as part of this, we're going to give you some money. You know, as part of our NIL collective, here's some money for you for the year. Five figures, regular regular money. Okay, spending money. Florida State, Priester, we like you more. We'd like to give you two hundred thousand to come here every year. All right, Arizona State. Priester, we really like your arm. How about $800,000 to come here? Do you want to go to Notre Dame because you like their core values? Well, it's hard for I, me, you to, might, re- you might, hard for me to relate does. to any of what you just said, of course. I know. <laughs> but <laughs> you, everybody can listen to that, though. Okay, let's say you're a salutatorian and Notre Dame wants you. Yeah. But yep. Ball State would, says, here's $1 million to come. Yeah, it would. I, I was just going to say, it would have taken a really substantial difference i don't think notre dame's losing to someone that says here's thirty thousand instead of what you're getting at notre dame like that's my point is it's once the money gets high enough yeah ex- no exactly right lonely. well and it ties into the next question let's go ahead and throw it out there from Andy squid 23 regarding nil and i if i could just throw this in the shorter the question the better but i know i realize that some of these some of these need more length in order to fully. These questions are fit for the athletic mailbag. But I'm too. just yes, but I'm just I, I've been meaning to just kind of put that out. If you guys could shorten them a little bit better, it would <laughs> a little bit more would help. But I understand the depth of the question, and that's why we have it. Andy Squid 23 regarding NIL. We've heard 
that Notre Dame won't pay recruits up front money as it goes against its core values. I'm sorry, but which values are those? Notre Dame was built on the back of its successful football program. Notre Dame is paying coaches millions and investing millions in football facilities. Plus, Notre Dame is looking for a 50-plus million-dollar TV deal. Why is an upfront payment to a five-star recruit suddenly a bridge too far? Seems like an arbitrary and hypocritical hill to die on. I tend to agree. Because if you're going to pay everybody for showing up, why not just pay the better players for signing? What's the difference but, between but showing up I, in August and signing in January and intending to show up in August? But the, you you are going to create, you're going to, team chemistry is going to be significantly impacted. Sure. Correct? Yeah, you lose the guys you don't pay that aren't any good. So what? So Jaden Bellamy, who just left and didn't wasn't going to pan out, or they that you know, but got money. But like you should have <laughs> given him two hundred thousand dollars up front, two fifty, seven fifty. I don't, you know, no, I just don't he's know. He's not good enough for that. But Michael Mayer is. I Michael Mayer's on your team. You could just give him more money to stay. It is. It's yeah, but like we're talking about coming in. We're talking. We don't know how good Jaden Bellamy is going to be. You don't know. You don't know Benjamin Morrison's going to be a freshman All-American. He got a pretty good hint, but what, what was the comment? Adjusted. What, wait, you, okay, wait, don't you just adjust the, that in year two? Yeah, don't you just adjust what they get paid? Shouldn't Morrison make more than Bellamy if they were both on the team next year? Sure, but I'm saying we're talking about, I mean, he's talking about upfront paying a guy an acquisition fee to I, get him to your school. Yeah, I think he's talking about a five-star recruits an acquisition fee, and you're not trying to, you're not going to pay the three-star burgeoning prospect an acquisition fee. No, no. The point I think the point he's trying to make is how you give you give throw money you throw scholarship money at the best students. You don't throw yes. it at everybody. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, no, it's a good point. But you know the dynamics of a student body and the dynamics of a football team for sure are extremely diff- different. They are, but that's also why they didn't bring in a quarterback last year because the dynamics of the dumb room couldn't be upset. Well, it's all look. It's all very. Con- I th- it's complicated, but I, I tend to side with O'Malley on this one. Like it does, it's, it's, it's something that you can be open to and not go against your core values I think to so a point, too. but like it's, but it's not uncomplicated as Priester's pointing out, like this isn't as easy as just be like, well, here's a check and everything's fine. Like it doesn't work out that way. See Texas A&M, but I, you know, I, oh man, I just think there's so that, many players uh, in football. It's hard, but it's hard. What you, it's hard to pay every player that comes in football too. That's a strange dynamic for me that you're paying yeah. them more than they're already getting, but they are. Yeah. I just right. don't. The fact that they all made the same from, you know, certain NIL, it's that, that's, that seems that's like odd. difficult to sustain to me. I, I guess all I would. I guess all I would like acknowledged is that it's not easy for Notre Dame to just flip this switch. Okay. No, if no, you know, no, no, if you know the not. history of Notre Dame to flip the switch where you start throwing hundreds of thousands of dollars at recruits. And, and I think what, I think the initial reaction to all this, Jack Swarber concluded was this is not what NIL was supposed to be about. It was, it, I mean, signing autographs, if you want to pay them an exorbitant amount to do that, that's one thing. But I think I, I just I sometimes I don't I don't you've got to understand the history of Notre Dame to understand where Notre Dame is coming from. I'm not saying that you guys are wrong, that they shouldn't do this, but I it's guess, just not an easy switch to flip for Notre Dame. But if you, you flip the switch where you're paying everybody on the team out of a collective but you just decide, well, this is the only amount of money that is still our core values to allow you guys to have. We can't give you more than that. I think yeah. that's going to have to increase every single year. If you're going to pay every player out of a collective. I, no, I agree. I agree. And I, you know, I mean, we, we use the term Nordame is at a crossroads. I use it too much. They're at a crossroads. Man. They are right now. You're going to have to big thing. <laughs> yeah. Now it hasn't all fallen apart. I think, I think a lot of it is a little bit overblown. They're still going to sign a top 10 class. They still went to the playoffs in 2020 and 2018, but I, you know, I realize the landscape's changing and that it could, yeah, I think it could get away from them quickly. 
really wasn't part of this. The What's NIL, that? Was not, 2020 wasn't even part of this, the NIL landscape. No, though, no, right? no, no, it wasn't. Yeah. No, I realize these things are all changing. I just, sometimes when I see it so complicated, like, well, Notre Dame's too cheap. It's not a matter of being frugal. I, I don't no. think that that's what it is. I think no, it's, it's just a willingness. Like it's right, a willingness to like right. jump into the sandbox. Exactly. Or not. And I, and it, look, I'm, I'm fine with Notre Dame not being like, you know what? We're going to be an early adopter of NIL. I see a lot of criticism of like, why isn't like Notre Dame used to lead Notre Dame should be leading the charge. Like, Nope, you should not be leading the charge. If you look around, you're like, all right, we're leading the charge with Miami and A&M in Oregon. Like that's not who you want to be leading any kind of charge with, but I hope that for the, where the future of Notre Dame football and where it's going, like, there will be sort of a, a self-assessment of like, all right, um, this year went a little bit differently than we thought. Um, how can we adjust moving forward? Personally, I think that they need to adjust in the portal. That's much more urgent to me than upfront NIL payments. Well, at least you're at least you're paying established college football players at that point. And you can yeah, probably I mean, find a legitimate NIL deal for the established <laughs> college football player coming in too, the way it was supposed to be. I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous the way it's supposed to be, the way it's meant to be all that. But if you, yeah. you know, when you brought in Jack Cohn, there's another thing about not ever publicizing it. Pete and I went to core life for lunch. Yes. We saw Jack Cohn on the wall endorsing core life. Not a single person ever said a single thing about Jack Cohn's NIL deals, but he had an NIL deal. They just don't talk about it. It's kind of a strange thing. Michael Mayer yeah. absolutely did not want to talk about it. The whole time he was at Notre Dame, he didn't want to talk about NIL. No, it's like, you know, Cam Hart, Michael Mayer, they have new cars. Like, that's great. I think that's awesome. I think um, I think it's incredible that KJ Wallace and Kyle Hamilton could do the same NIL situation. That's that's right. That is that is proper usage of what this was meant to be. That they spent that time and made the money from their they podcast. worked for it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's all. Look, it's all very complicated, but it's like if I was Notre Dame and you said, hey, you've got a million dollars, you can put it towards Sam Hartman or you can put it towards Dante Moore, I would put it towards Sam Hartman. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, Pete, you just said that, you know, this all transpired maybe not exactly the way they thought. It'll transpire even more next year. Yeah, goalposts yeah. keep moving on this stuff. Yeah. I don't yeah. You know. Like, and, and I, it's like, I don't know which direction they're moving. Like, I don't think it's going to pull back. But I think every I think if Jack Swarbrick was on this podcast and we were just like BSing about it, he'd be like, "Yeah, this I didn't." Uh, some of the things you probably saw coming the way that I did, but yeah. there I think there are a lot of them where it's like, "This is not what I thought." This I didn't think it would go this quickly, this hard in this direction. All right, couple questions paired together here. One from Amos Irish O three. How many Notre Dame coaching changes do you see after night National Signing Day or Post Bowl? What would you set? the over under at. And then the second question is from Welch Brian one, 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 two. Are you hearing any rumblings about uh, Dylan McCullough leaving for Oklahoma with his sons and Peyton Bowen? I think the over under all the time is 2.5. And maybe this first year staff, we said it last month at 1.5. Is that what we, we kind of broached the subject one time. I think that'll be under, don't you? Yeah, I, mean, I, two. Would, I, I was going to say under 2.5. I would one too. and a half. What if you put it one and a half? You say under? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah I that's what I was going to say. I would set it at a half because I, I don't think they're going to lose two. I don't either. But we always you would always set it at a non – in a year where you didn't just bring in a whole new staff, you always set it about two and a half. I yeah. think it's a nice well, yeah. number. Yeah. Boy, with Lou Holtz, man, you had to set that sucker high. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he averaged I, three coaching changes a year. I It wouldn't surprise me if the staff returned intact. And, in effect, I think that – I don't know this for certain, but like I think if you ask Marcus Freeman what his preference is, that's what it would be. All right, best question. Is it intact or do they lose two? I say intact. I say intact, in too. Intact. And the interesting thing is Adila McCullough, you know, I mean, normally a guy goes in order to get his kids to go there. They already got, they're getting pain bone and they're getting his kids without Adila McCullough going there. So, yeah. <laughs> also, like, not... you guys know who Oklahoma's running back coach is, right? DeMarco Murray. <laughs> like I, oh. I don't think anyone's like chasing him off the Oklahoma staff. Yeah. I think the best way to look at this question is, is it one or zero? But I feel like it's always one that you just all of a sudden you're like, Oh, well he got that offer. That, well, that's then yeah, how it like, works. You know, could the way could it works. Jared Parker get an OC job somewhere yeah, like I'll John McNulty did last year? Always happens. For sure. 
Yeah. Well, halfway halfway through the season, we were talking about Tommy, the possibility of Tommy Reese leaving, yeah. and I that could still happen. And if a, if an NFL situation popped up, but I don't think any of us feel as strongly as we did about no, it. Without six weeks knowing ago, a name, so whatever. I would bet a lot of money on over half because it happens all the time. Without without being yeah, able to but give you this a name. Is, well, I know, but I mean, this is his first staff. I think that I, I don't like you're putting a general number on it on any year i'm going down and quite I, a bit for my regular yeah though. well that's true but i think you know i mean mcnulty was out of nowhere lance taylor was out of nowhere they're also everybody was coming back it was kumbaya mike elston was coming back because he would wanted to raise all the yeah. things here and they're all gone i agree with everything you're saying except i just think that it you know it's marcus freeman's first year and yeah. i think that you got to set that line a little bit lower but we shall see about that question from Henry Bede, if Nordame can only sign high school classes in the numbers five through 15 range and cannot hit the transfer portal hard, is it realistic to think that they could compete for a national championship? Uh, I guess it depends on what this guy means by compete. Like, can they make the playoff? Yeah, yeah because they have been they've competing already done for it. the national championship. Um, can they win it? I would say no. Um, and especially like, the playoff winning a national championship in the BCS era was easier than it was in the 14 playoff and winning in the 14 playoff will be easier than winning in the 12 team playoff. So it's like you're to try to beat uh Clemson and Alabama back to back. And now you're going to be asked to ask, beat Clemson, Ohio state, Georgia and Alabama back to back to back some years. Like that's, um, that that's, that's why I feel like they they've got to figure out the portal, because I think that is the, the easiest way for Notre Dame to turn something new about college football into a weapon for itself. Like the portal is a weapon Notre Dame should use. NIL is a weapon being used against Notre Dame, if that makes sense. So like, figure out how to weaponize the portal better than you've been able to do in the first year. And I think that they can. And I think they've had good, they've had a good experience with the portal too. They've had good guys that they really liked bringing in. They are just going to have to open the net a little more. Is that the way to say it? Well, yeah, but I mean, are, they're, ne- they're still not going to keep pace with like what USC did. They're just, they're no, they're not, no, but they, no don't have, they, they don't have to, cause they're not running off 35 guys. Yeah, that's you know? true. That's true. like I, I think Notre Dame's hey. culture will always be good. Like they're, they're going to have a high retention rate, but they they got to be able to augment on offense and defense in the portal with a little bit more um, urgency than they've been able to do so far. NIL, no NIL. You know, four team playoff, twelve team playoff. It was always going to be difficult for Notre Dame. It's going to be more difficult. It's. It's just, it's, it's the reality of the situation. You can jump off the bandwagon right now. If it's, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know what to say. It's going to be more difficult moving forward. It always was difficult. At least it was, you know, once the Holtz era lost its mojo and then you got into a couple uh, coaching regimes that just weren't, weren't very successful. So um, it's tough. It's tough being Notre Dame, man. We're going to wrap up That's with not, a question. I, would, I wouldn't use that pitch though anymore. That's not a great pitch anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not I, pitching I, anything. I'm just, I don't I'm like the choose hard, the choose hard thing that they, that they pitch. I'm not, I'm not sure that works on 18 year olds anymore or ever. Yeah. I mean, I think you gotta be, you gotta be behind, you gotta be behind Notre Dame doors to fully appreciate what his meaning is. Marcus Freeman's meaning is yes. in saying that, but we're going to wrap up with a question from scraw daddy, 18, what was the most interesting bowl game each of you have covered for Notre Dame due to the matchup, the storylines, the location, et cetera? I mean, does the national championship game count? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, the easy that answer. Was, that was yeah, pretty interesting. We had a great week there too, man, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a 10-year was... anniversary of the hospitality table outside oh, the patio. Oh, man, that, and it was uh, that hotel. hospitality I table was loaded with... Post- I'm going to post that photo here in a few weeks just to <laughs> commemorate everyone who contributed to those empty beer bottles. That was an empty, that was a, not empty. That was an awesome trip. Um, Tim, besides yeah, that's, that, that's definitely besides number one. That one. 
The mm. last would be the pinstripe bowl. <laughs> Least interesting. Uh, I've been to Shreveport. I've yeah. been, to, but yeah, there you was win a, that one. You win that one. Well, there was, yeah. a, and it snowed when we were down there, uh, and that was. But they did have a casino nearby. Did your so uh, transportation? Did your media bus get hit by a car in the Bronx? When in well in Shreveport? Did that we did. Ha- we had that too. That did happen. Uh, um, let's see. Priester, well, you know, sending uh, the, <laughs> Priester sending me the picture of the no, pinstripe pole trophy oh. on December 26th with a text that says, this is what it's all about. It was the best part of the pinstripe. It was, man. It I was, say, it was, uh, kind of a shout out to the, the back-to-back uh, Ohio State LSU games in the Weiss era were both like the New Year's Six Bulls were like a bigger deal back then. Yeah. Um, those games, like the Ohio State game was an awesome game. Uh, LSU was huge game, huge hype. Ohio State was yeah. huge hype. Yeah, the LSU one was fun for like that. That was a fun week, but I mean the bowl game was like a yeah. freaking hornet's nest down there. <laughs> uh, the for comedic effect, the Sun Bowl against Miami would be high yeah. on my list because it liked- snowed and people were clearing off the field with folding chairs and folding tables. Um, so that, <laughs> yeah, would and then wherever whatever that bar we went to, which clearly was not a regular bar, uh for its it entire was, lifespan the night no. before the game. Oh, right, right, right. It, it that bar, that that bar served other purposes. There's different clientele in that bar back in the day with the booth and the DJ booth up top and below. Yeah. You guys. Uh, um, you know what? I enjoyed the 19 trip back to Orlando when Priestery, we and I went out that kind of that day to watch bowl games and lunch and drinks because uh, Iowa State brought so many fans. It brought some energy. Right. Like Notre Dame fans, were like oh, we're back in Orlando. Iowa State came out in full force to have a lot of fun. That they time. really did. And truth be told, O'Malley and I discussed the possibility of picking Iowa State. But come on, who like would do Samson that? Did. Who would do that? <laughs> I just—I we was a big believer in Brock Purdy. Um, you were. Yeah, out of your time. I mean the uh, the the Citrus Bowl against LSU was. I mean, I mean the way the game ended was pretty awesome. Um, yes. yeah. The weather for the game was terrible. Um, but that was that was a fun one. I mean, overall, like with the exception of the pinstripe bowl and I honestly the last Gator Bowl, I think I've had a good time covering all those. I did not do the Hawaii Bowl. Um that was like a travel budget too far for I think Irish Illustrated back in the day. But um that was these are they're good times. I mean, you I feel like you get something out of them from from a travel point of view but also the games like there's always a storyline to pull out of the game that's interesting and like, like this like, one with yeah, buckner in particular will be huge yeah, my co-worker I mean, in the uh 2011 champ sports bowl was uh laura rutledge laura rutledge no oh, whatever happened to her yeah, yeah. how'd she do how'd her career work out yeah. you know i'm gonna and we're gonna end and we're gonna wrap it up here i know it's a long one but i mean i'm gonna it's frightening how old I am. And I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to explain that through bowl games because Notre Dame is about to play their 41st bowl game. And including childhood, this will be the 33rd. I've only missed eight Notre Dame bowl games. Like the last one I missed was the 1980 Sugar Bowl when Georgia had won their previous national title. This will be my 31st. Memorable. I, I distinctly remember being uh, at the Liberty Bowl and walking by us in the hotel. You know, Miss America is at the Liberty Bowl every year. And it was Vanessa Williams, like an 18-year-old or 19-year-old Vanessa Williams that was at the Liberty Bowl. That was the first one that I went to. But, uh, you know, I've been to Notre Dame, won the national championship 88 season. Uh, the living a lie, the back-to-back games against Colorado in the in the early 90s that was awesome uh but I you know I mean I don't think I mean I think I think he, I, I look forward to every bowl game I mean it's a it's every situation is a little bit different except when you keep going back to Orlando which we which <laughs> yeah we, which I'm we, glad which we avoided we one Orlando here yeah That's... I mean which we which we did we'll probably be due to, to go back there but I mean for me that I mean for, for me the national title game of course when when um I well, did attend that game I attended my, that game as my, well just didn't cover it my 33 year old son was about to be born at, at, at that time. So uh, yeah, a ton of memories, but 33 bowls out of 41, uh, including when I was 10 years old, when Notre Dame ended Texas's 30 game winning streak. And when Johnny, Ro- I think Johnny Rogers from Nebraska is still scoring touchdowns against Notre Dame in the 72 orange bowl. 
what would happen to Twitter and the Irish Illustrated message board if uh, Lou Holt or Notre Dame's head coach said that they're living a lie about number one opponent? Oh my God! Like he did back then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and for and the reason that the reason he said is, is was, much worse. If you recall, yes, yes, absolutely about the um, the the ailing. Uh, Daily quarterback from Colorado. Okay, we've gone long, and uh, but I felt like we had a lot to cover. So we're going to be back on Tuesday. Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, Kevin Sinclair, and Tom Thursday. Loy will be. T- did I say Tuesday? Thursday. Of course Post- I did. On yep. Thursday. Thank you, Tim. Thursday, yeah, uh, December 22nd, right after Notre Dame has their signing day on Wednesday. So this has been, thank you once again for joining us. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider. Here's another Irish tale from Do Dublin at dodublin.ie. Have you ever felt uneasy signing a lease for a house or a car? You'll know a little how Arthur Guinness felt when in 1759 he signed a 9,000-year lease for the St. James Gate Brewery in Dublin. He was a shrewd businessman, of course, because over 250 years later, the annual payment remains just £45. Want to find out more? Be sure you do Dublin with Do Dublin Tours.